Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You are divine. Hello there, my beautiful pumpkins, and welcome back to the Pumpkin Patch. If you are new here, hello, I'm your host, Chloe Taylor, and my, my, have you seen the new podcast cover? I hope that you have. Uh, I actually put it out, I want to say last, it might have been like Thursday or Friday. Uh, It got put out ahead of this video, or this video, Chloe, I'm sorry, Mercury's in the microwave and I am definitely experiencing it. This is not a video. There's no video portion to the podcast. Not today. Um, But in this podcast episode, I put it out a little bit before, uh, just because I was so excited. I honestly got on my Instagram the other day, which honestly, of all of the social media platforms, I am a typical millennial. I really love Instagram. I feel like I love Instagram more than TikTok. I love Instagram more than Twitter for sure. Twitter is a dumpster fire. Uh, I love, like, I just love, you know what it is? I want to say if you look into the birth charts of social media, because you can, everything has a birth chart. Uh, If you look into like the astrological birth chart of Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all of that. I want to say Twitter is an Aries, which like that makes total sense. It's people just like screaming into the void. Um, and there is a lot of aggression, but I want to say that Instagram is actually a Libra. I feel like that is the case. I want to say Instagram is a Libra and that just really vibes hard with me. Not only do I have Libra in the 11th house in my chart, which if you're a Sagittarius rising, so do you, uh, it like you are naturally attracted to that, like Libra energy, not to mention I'm also a Taurus sun. So like I'm ruled by Venus, Libras are ruled by Venus. I feel like we just get each other differently, you know? Um, in any case, my point to bringing all of that up is that I talked about on Instagram. So we're going to do a little personal update. I'm going to talk to you about this full moon energy that we're still sitting in right now. And then I have a couple of other things I want to bring up to you that are just like extra little nuggets of wisdom. I have no idea what I'm titling the episode yet, but it's going to be a good time regardless. So buckle up. Number one, the Instagram thing that I was getting at. Um, I was in my stories recently, just like within the last couple of days, talking about how I feel like 2023 for me is a red year. Like, and I don't mean like in the red, like when we talk about like the stock market or like people talk about a red year being like, you know, you're on the negative financially. That's not what I'm talking about. I feel like some people love words. Some people love themes. My year also has a theme but I'm such a color oriented person. And I think it took me up until this year to realize that I have a color every single year that I become obsessed with. Like my favorite color literally changes every year. And 
Last year was really like a green year. Y'all saw so much green. We changed the podcast cover. It was really green. My office, I decorated in a lot of green tones. Uh, I even purchased a lot of green clothing last year. Any like I didn't really buy too much clothing last year. I feel like this year is going to be a clothing year for me. Like I'm ready to just destroy my wardrobe and totally recreate it. But um, I feel like the color obsession of the year for me is red. Like I just, I am having a red year and I have just decided like red to me, it number one, it is a color of luck. Like even if you look at like Chinese culture, um, it, to me, red is just lucky. Like I know we could say green is lucky because you know, the four leaf clover or whatever. Uh, but I feel like red is a really lucky color. It just, to me, it screams lucky energy. And that's like another affirmation that I just tell to myself constantly, literally on the daily. I remind myself that I'm lucky. Everything is always working out for me. Um, but definitely steal that. If you're not on that lucky girl shit, get on it because I swear to you, the craziest things happen to me that are just like, Oh my God, how did I even do that? Um, you have to literally delude yourself into it, but it does work. So I just, I don't know. It's not even just like red is lucky. It's also that I think red is such a powerful color, right? Some people look at red and they see it as aggressive. Some people look at red and they see it as bold. I definitely am taking more of the bold approach, but I just, I feel like I am really, really, really comfortable in the person that I am, who I came here to be, what my mission is. I took so much time at the end of 2022 to get crystal motherfucking clear on that. And I'm just ready to take it to the next level. Like I just... I have so many things that I want to create this year and I have a plan of how I'm going to do it. And I just, I do, I feel like it is a bold red year, not to mention, um, my sister, I have a sibling and this is like no shade to her. This is just me sharing my story. Love her to death. But at one point in my life, uh, my sister, one of my sisters, I have many, um, one of my sisters said that she just didn't think that redheads could wear red and y'all know I'm a redhead. Um, and I took this kind of personally in the moment, even though it wasn't personal and I stopped wearing red lipstick. I stopped like, I stopped letting myself be loud and bold in that way because I took this information so to heart because this was, this is like my trendy sister. If she's listening, she knows I'm talking about her. This is like my super trendy sister that I always looked up to for like fashion advice, beauty advice. She's also a Libra. So like we trust that Libra energy for trends and beauty. And I, again, I think I just took it so personally that I completely shaped what I would wear and how I would look around it for so many years. And I want to say it was like my mid twenties that I really started experimenting with like different colored lipsticks. I was wearing purple lipstick, black lipstick, dark blue lipstick, red lipstick. Um, that was like my really first big venture into trying to figure out my self-expression where most people I feel like go through that in their teenage years. I feel like I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I did it in my like mid twenties, but ultimately what I've come to find is I have like a really natural attraction to the color red and 
honestly, have you ever looked at Madeline Petch, the girl who plays, um, or Madeline, I'm not exactly sure how to say her name. She plays in Riverdale as Cheryl Blossom. Like her in red. Are you fucking kidding me? Stunning. Absolute stunner. She's this gorgeous, like long red hair, um, super owns the color red and something else that I think I've noticed. And again, we're still in the personal updates of the episode, but I just want to encourage you if there's a color in your life that you really shy away from, I honestly think it's an energy. It's an energy of how confident you are in that color. Like maybe you've always run away from black or pink or green or yellow and don't get me wrong. I do think there are some colors based on like your skin tone, your hair color. There are some colors that maybe you need a different shade to really compliment you. But I'm also a big proponent of wear whatever the fuck you want. And it's a confidence thing. It's how you wear it. It's not what you wear. It's how you wear it. Have you ever looked at pictures on like, let's use Shein as an example on Shein. The people that wear those clothes with confidence in the review images, you can garner so much from if that outfit is going to look good on you or not, just by how they wear it with the confidence that they are wearing it with. When you see people that don't know how to like put a tuck in the shirt in the front or just kind of like their body language is really slouched in and really like... You can see it on their faces. There's no smile. There's no optimism. You can tell that they're not wearing this outfit with confidence where you see somebody like on their birthday wearing this really cool looking dress and they look so confident. They are fucking thriving. Even if they have the exact same body shape or something similar, you can just tell that I really do believe it's a confidence thing. And I have decided that this year, 2023, I'm taking it by storm. I'm taking it by storm. I, I already am that bitch. I've already been that bitch. And this is the year that I actually take my boundaries really seriously. And I've made such good progress on that. Even like I've told you all before on the podcast that I really struggle or I have struggled in the past with, especially when it comes to friendships, I really have struggled to not always make myself available to friends at the drop of a hat because there is this like basically this unchecked abandonment wound that was like, Chloe, if you don't make yourself available, everyone's going to leave you. And I had such a mentality of always being the fixer, the problem solver, the advice giver, um, mostly because I was parentified as a child and taught to do that. And I'm definitely still working through this, but I do feel like as I have made boundaries with people in my life, as I've told people what my needs are and I've done what I've needed to do, it really has made a difference in my level of confidence. And I, I do think that this kind of brings me full circle back to choosing red as my color for the year. It just, I'm ready to be loud and to be bold and to own, like to own the person that I am, like it, if by the end of 2023, I'm able to not be somebody who like shies away from sharing personal stories and like just doesn't listen to every single opinion that is brought into my realm. I feel like something we don't talk about enough, this is such a quick side story, is that when you're a content creator in the media realm 
every single person that teaches how to become a content creator and like get your first hundred K subscribers or whatever it is, every single person tells you to basically become obsessed with the analytics and with the feedback that you're being given. And I've been doing this for technically almost 13 years. This year would be 13 years, but 10 years this year as like a quote unquote professional where it's like been my job as like being a digital entrepreneur. And in doing this for 10 years, the number one thing that I have learned is to like, you can always ask for feedback. There's nothing wrong with it. But at the end of the day, you have to be the person that makes the final call. You have to be the person that says, this is what I want to create because it sounds good to me, because this is something that would have helped me because this is something that would have brought me enjoyment. This is something that I wish everybody knew. This is the problem that I see in the world. And this is what I think the solution is not asking your audience every single day, how can there, what do you want to see? What do you think of this? And again, don't get me wrong. I think there is such validity in polling. I mean, shoot, shit. I just did this, um, on my YouTube page. I literally just last week put out a poll and I posted two pictures. One was like this really Royal red regal energy. And the other one was very like green ethereal, but still really Royal and powerful. And I said like, help me choose an aesthetic. And when I put this poll out there, I told myself they, that like nobody in the audience, nobody like in the community had the final say. I have the final say people can vote on this. And I'm just curious what they think, but ultimately this is up to me. And the reason I even put that poll out there for anybody that caught it is I was trying to decide between, I have a lot of big plans for the podcast this year and I was trying to decide between an aesthetic. I was trying to ask, you know, is like my energy really green or is my energy really red? And when like, but like I didn't tell anybody what it was about or what it was for. And girl, we already been there, done that, did green. She's dead. Green is dead. <laughs> we did that for like a year and a half, almost two years. And post Saturn return, which is coming very soon. She's dead. Green is dead. Um, red is red is what is in for Chloe Taylor. But my point to that is that it's so important as a creator, if you are a creator or if you're considering being a creator, yes, feedback is nice, but don't ask everybody else every single time. Just make things because what happens often is we'll get so wrapped up in what other people are thinking about us, which I got to tell you the truth. Nobody really fucking cares that much. They don't like, I'm not saying people aren't genuine and don't care about you as a person, but most of the time people are not thinking about you even half as much as you're thinking about them because they are too focused on themselves. And that really is the truth. But when you actually create from the heart and you just trust that the right people needed the messages or the things or the products or whatever it is that you're making, that the right people are going to find it because there you existed and you needed it. You have to just trust that the right people are going to show up for it and stop asking and asking and asking and asking what you should be doing because all this is doing is creating what I like to call analysis paralysis. You are literally paralyzed. You're not taking inspired action. You're not making anything and your creations are never getting off the ground. And 
trust me, I've been there. I've done that. I understand it more than you could probably ever conceptualize because I've, I've been there. I've been in analysis paralysis. I've asked myself and my communities, even especially when I was in gaming, oh my gosh, I wanted everybody to like me so bad. I was willing to fit into any mold to make it work. And I honestly feel like Chloe Taylor has been able to do so much more because I don't do that as much. I don't ask other people what they think. I might ask, but nobody gets the final say but me. Does that make sense? I hope so. Anyways, I feel like we really got on a tangent there, but I want to also talk to you just really about this full moon. I feel like this kind of falls under the category of updates still, but it's also going to help you to kind of decode what the fuck has been going on over the weekend because... This full moon came in on my emotions and took a huge shit and I was not ready. I was so sensitive last night. Everything could have made me cry and that's fine. Sensitivity is a beautiful thing. Like I am the last person that's ever going to demonize sensitivity, but I also think that like crying is so therapeutic. It's such a good thing. And Honestly, the more comfortable you can get with letting your emotions bubble up and come out, the easier time you're going to have processing your emotions so that you can move on. And so I welcome those things, even when they feel difficult or hard or scary. I really welcome that process, which is something I did not used to do. That took a lot of learning and reconditioning and relearning. But this motherfucking full moon, (sighs) number one the sign of cancer. Okay. In tropical astrology, which is what I teach and what I like base everything off of in tropical astrology, this full moon was in cancer and it still is. We're still feeling it today. It came in on Friday. I would say we're still dealing with it up until today, Monday. If you're listening to this, the day it goes out, this full moon, not only does it have some kind of aspect to you in your own chart, whether you're a cancer rising, a cancer sun, a cancer, you know, 12th house, sixth house, etc. Everybody has a cancer placement. I have a cancer stellium in my chart. So cancer energy really impacts me, but it's the archetype of the mother, the watery womb. It is the archetype of your sensitivity, your home, your foundation, your hearth, what feels cozy and inviting to you. And I would say it's also deeply sensitive. The sign of cancer, I would argue, is probably the most sensitive of the zodiac, maybe next to like Pisces. Um, I just feel like they, cancer has such a sensitivity that comes with it because it's that soft crab, right? There might be a hard outer exterior sometimes, but that soft inner crab is squishy as hell. And having the full moon on top of that, the full moon, it exacerbates our emotions. It brings them out into the surface. The full moon does this constantly. But when it comes to cancer, yes, the moon loves to be here because the moon is the natural ruler of the sign cancer. So the moon loves to be here. So it might've felt gentle. I'm not trying to say that like this full moon was such a harsh thing for anyone, but if you're not used to processing your emotions, letting things come to the surface, it could have been a really detrimental weekend for you dealing with the tears, dealing with sadness. But I also think that it had a lot of beautiful symbolism about family uh, because cancer does rule the family as well. So this could have brought a lot of like healing in family relationships. This could have brought about problems in family relationships. And I guess I want to share a little bit of my own 
personal shit here for a minute. If y'all have listened to the podcast since its launch, you fucking know. I have told you, sorry, I just slapped my watch on my table in front of me on accident. I have fucking told you, Chloe Taylor doesn't have a family-oriented bone in her body. Chloe Taylor has problems with her family. Chloe Taylor doesn't, like, me and family, what even is that? We're still working through that. Chloe Taylor went to therapy to deal with the family bullshit. And I think this is also partially on a Saturn return, which I am going to be doing an episode sometime around the end of my return for all of you that are about to enter yours in Pisces, I will be doing like a complete guide. I'm actually really looking forward to that. I want to talk about all the experiences I had and just kind of encapsulate them all into one place. And it might even be like a two part episode because I feel like I have so much to say about that experience. And now that I'm really kind of on the outer rim of it and it's literally almost done, it's about to wrap up in two months. Um, I feel like I've just gained so much from this experience that I highly recommend it for everyone, (laughs) but it was also extremely difficult. Um, but I think something that really has come out and I'm bringing it up because cancer rules the family. Gosh, I told you, I just need to call this podcast crying on the internet (laughs) because I get in my feelings every time I talk about my family because they make me crazy. But at the same time, I have such compassionate, non-judgmental love for them that it just, it gets me so in my fucking feelings. Not only that, but I have Chiron in cancer too. So like my wound from the world, like is in that sector. My South node is in cancer. Like I have so much Cancerian energy in my chart that like family really fucks me up. But I think for all of my adult life, like 18 to let's say 27, 28, right before the Saturn return kind of kicked in, I was really in this period of, I don't want to be around family. I don't want to talk to my family. I don't like the way they sit and talk about each other. I don't like gossip. I don't like the religious structure. I don't like how everybody uses drugs and alcohol to avoid their problems. I don't want to do my life like that. I see where all of these problems have stemmed from generational problems. Like I see how my parents' parents were not the best and what they did. I see how even my great grandparents were not the greatest. I see how their own traumas impacted how they raised their families. And this was something that I didn't used to give a fuck about. I didn't used to care. I was like, I don't care. You're in the now. You've had all this time to make changes. I don't even know what you're doing, but I don't want any part of it. And moving out to Utah for college when I did, when I was 18, that was an easy choice. I was running from my family. I was running from that issue because it was scary to me. It was an environment I didn't want to continue to be in. And... Then moving all the way out to the Pacific Northwest, even farther away from my family, that in some way was also part of that. I wanted to be in a place where I couldn't just be a day's drive away. I wanted to be farther away. And I think the full circle moment that my Saturn return really fucking dropped on me and this Cancer full moon also really brought it up almost in a healing way. And we'll get to that, but in a really painful way. I've been realizing at the, at the close of this Saturn return, how much I miss my family, 
how much I love them, how much I, I don't say, I don't want to say that I regret that I've moved so far because I don't ever see myself moving back there. I really don't. California is not for me. I would move to Florida before I would move to camp to California where my family is from and where I'm from. I just don't, there's nothing for me there truly, but I haven't been to my hometown since like 2017 ever since the passing of my sister and trigger warning. I feel like I probably should have said that in the beginning of the, <clears throat> the beginning of the episode, because I just feel like I have a lot to say in this portion of the podcast. And I promise you it does all tie into the full moon. So I'm going to bring it back, but it just, I've just been getting hit at the end of this transit with so much deep appreciation for where I've come from. So much deep appreciation for the women that have raised generations of women. So much deep gratitude. And even though I've had a strained relationship with my own mother for many years, I can still appreciate all that she did for me, all that she sacrificed to have me, all that she sacrificed in her own life to have as many kids as she did. I'm the youngest of seven kids. And even though that's not a choice I would make for myself, I can still look at my own mother as a person that made those choices and that has lived a lot. Like when I tell you the thought of legacy, just like bears into my soul. I don't even know how to explain it. All y'all people out here that have been family oriented your whole life. I feel like I understand you on another level now. I feel like I get it. I understand why there is like the fucking sire bond and why people will make choices to stay by their families. I've never had that. I couldn't get away fast enough. And then I think about like my grandmother who she didn't even ever talk about her childhood and also raised kids and didn't really have the best relationship with my mom. Right. What must have that been like? I didn't really know my grandmother. She was, passed away before I was born, unfortunately. And then her mother was, they called her the general, like they called her the general because apparently she was like a hard woman. And I don't really know too much about her, but I can't imagine when they refer to you as the general that you've raised multiple generations of women that know how to embrace each other in unconditional love and support. And what a beautiful gift it is to my own lineage that I could go off on my own, explore myself in a way that probably people in my generational line never could have even dreamed of. Like I come from a line of women that like getting married was like how they stayed alive. Right. Like being, you know, we think about like the 1950s and before, like it was really very much a man's world. It's still very much a man's world, but I think I just have such a deep appreciation and value that I did not used to have. And coming up under this full moon, it just really opened that. And I was sitting at like the fucking breakfast table. I think I talked about this in an episode recently because it's come up a few times in my life now over the past like month. Um, you know, I was like sitting at the breakfast table, like just in tears telling my husband, like, I just want to go home so bad. I just want to see my family. I, 
I've never felt like this before. I've never wanted to be in their presence and not just be judgmental, like maybe I had been in the past, but just, you know, my parents aren't going to be there forever. And my siblings are one day going to be gone too. I've already lost one in my lifetime. And even if I have to witness all the chaos that comes with the family that I was given, they're still mine and I still love them. And I haven't booked tickets to go home yet. Um, I did definitely. And um, I, I did tell my husband that it was really important to me. Even if we went together at another time, I needed to go and see my family on my own time. Like it's ludicrous that I haven't been home since 2017. And I just, I, I need to go, I need to go on my own and not be splitting the time between families. Like there was a time period where I was going to go home over the holidays. as like a surprise. And I, we really like, we ended up moving instead and doing things differently. And I, I was all excited for it. A little anxious, of course, but I just, I also feel like I'm grateful that that didn't happen because I really do think I need to go at least once on my own. And hopefully within the next few months, like that's kind of my plan. I don't know exactly when right now finances are kind of up in the air. Um, that's another story I don't even want to get into right now, but <clears throat> my point of bringing this up over this cancer full moon is <sighs> y'all. I love where I live. I have this like gigantic porch and I was able to sit out under the full moon and like talking about this just like makes me want to cry because <laughs> it was just so, I can't believe I get to do things like this now because I live in a place that allows this to me. And it was something that like growing up in my parents' home, I probably didn't appreciate as much as I could have because I just wasn't as connected to the earth and the elements. And, you know, I wasn't fully in my big bad witch power and I went outside on my deck and it was actually really clear, freezing cold. So of course I brought a blanket. It was actually a clear night on the full moon. And I just sat and I talked to the moon for a little bit. And maybe that sounds fucking weird, but I it felt so deeply satisfying, deeply comfortable. And I practiced the art of, I'm so sorry if I butcher this. I'm not trying to. I want to say it's Hano Pono Nono which is basically, I want to say it's a Hawaiian practice. Again, I'm not trying to butcher anybody's culture. Like, please feel free to correct me in Spotify. There's like, if you correct me, I will pin the comment on Spotify. Um, but it's basically like the practice of forgiveness. And you, if you've never heard of this before, it's actually a really simple practice, but it is something that can bring up a lot of intense emotion if you're not ready. And it's basically you tell the person, like I just kind of whispered it to the moon because that's the vibe I'm on. But basically I just whispered to the moon, you know, about like certain members of my family that I've had a hard time with in the past or certain people that maybe I have have attachments to that haven't really always treated me well. I, for each person you say, I'm sorry that I couldn't be the person that you'd hoped I would be. Um, thank you for all of the lessons and you can list like specific lessons if you want to. Um, thank you for the lessons um, I forgive you. Like I, I kind of throw my own 
extra things in there. Like, I think I want to say it's like a four part practice, but this is like where my, I might even be saying it absolutely correctly, but, um, I want to say like, I might've even done a couple of different things, but my version is like altered from the original. Um, I forgive you for not being who I'd hoped that you would be for me. I love you. And then you just let go, take a big, deep breath and you just let go. And I just sat and like ugly cried (laughs) under the moon doing this forgiveness practice. And I feel like I'm somebody that I've worked really hard to overcome being somebody that holds a grudge. I hate to be misunderstood. I think everybody does. I hate when people try to put like a perception on me that's just not true. And again, I think everybody does, but I have a really hard time with forgiveness when I'm perceived incorrectly or when I'm perceived by somebody as being a certain kind of person that I don't believe that I am. And so I really just like, there were a couple of like small connections that I had that I did this with. And then I just sat and talked to the moon about like my future. And I was like, this is what I really want to create. This is the kind of life I want to have. And yo, that's a moon ritual. I don't care what anybody says. You don't have to get all your little magical herbs and tinctures out. You don't have to do a fire ritual. That can be enough. You can just sit outside and talk to the moon. You could yell at the moon if you want to. That is a full moon ritual. And I wanted to share that like Hanoponono experience with you because I do think that sometimes we don't even realize how much we're carrying around if we're not willing to let go. And I was really in this state of just like, gosh, I can't believe I literally have sat here and started crying. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Crying is so therapeutic and it feels so good, but it's just, it's such a, it, it feels good. It feels good to forgive when you can. Now, I also want to say that I recognize if you've dealt with a lot of trauma or abuse absolutely don't use that practice and try to forgive your abuser if you're not ready and you may never be ready. And that may be something that you never need to do in this lifetime. But I think for me, it was just, it was time. And uh, I feel like I'm able to like, it like moved energy in my life. Like, I feel like I'd been holding a lot of like weird self judgment because I think something that we also forget is when we judge another and we can't forgive another again, please take in that exception for abuse. But when we can't forgive another for like a small slight, something little, we forget that we also judge ourselves that way. We also put that on ourselves. We also carry that denseness and oneness really is the way I find that explaining oneness is difficult, but The more compassion you can show for others and yourself, the easier and easier and easier life becomes. And that's like something that has been sitting on me for probably a decade that I was just willing to finally put it down and say that like, you know what, what these people say about me or think about me, it actually has nothing to do with me. And I feel so confident that no matter who I encounter, you know, if I take that trip home, I feel so ready and so confident to be the person that I am in that, in that presence and not let it change me. And I think 
that's something that when it comes to like healing the family wound, if you have one, which I would say that most of us probably do, even if it's not quite as grand or maybe you weren't like super abused or anything, you know, super abused. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, abuse is abuse. It doesn't have to be big or small scale, but maybe you didn't have experiences like that growing up. But I do believe that nobody comes out of childhood unscathed. And when we can actually work to remember that those people are just people, you know, we might put that label of mom or dad or sister or brother or friend or acquaintance on somebody, whatever, but it's just a label. It doesn't actually mean anything. It means about as much meaning as you give to it. And when you can start to look at the person as a person and not just this like group together thing, you'll realize that people will also start to look at you that way as a person. They won't put all of this shit on you. And it's funny how that works. Kind of like a paradox. Anyways, I feel like that's all I really wanted to say on like the full moon in cancer when talking about like healing the family wound. I wanted to just share my personal experience of like, that was me doing a full moon ritual of releasing family shit. And I don't know when I'm going to book that trip home, but like, I don't even like the first ad sponsor that comes to me and offers me enough money that will cover that ticket. I'm going is kind of where I'm at. Um, so I don't like, that's all I'm really waiting for is like to be able to purchase the ticket to go. But I'm just, and of course, like, I feel like you can't, I can't like I could and people would totally support me, but I hate going on vacation and just not having money. It's the worst. It is actually the worst. Like I want to be able to do things, especially in California. Like bitch, I want to go to Disneyland or something, you know, I want to do something fun. Um, but in any case, I wanted to address that. And the other thing I wanted to bring up with y'all in this episode, just because this full moon in particular was so emotional Again, some of you, it might've been great relief for me. It was a great release of things. It felt really good to move through those really hard feelings, but some of you also could have been feeling, been feeling like really anxious. And I do want to say before I even talk about this, please do not self-diagnose. Please do not use my podcast as a means to diagnose yourself. I am not a trained professional. I do not have the credentials of a therapist and just keep that in mind. I also always put it in the footnotes of my episode, but I feel like legally I have to say those things. So, um, I feel like with full moons, every full moon has the potentiality to bring anxiety to the surface. And I just want to like put some, put, put you on. Okay. Put you on for a minute. What if your anxiety wasn't actually trying to limit you? And what if it's actually trying to free you from a situation that doesn't feel good that you need to move on from? And the reason that I bring this up is especially during Capricorn season, which we're still very much in right now, all of y'all obviously know I'm a digital entrepreneur. I'm a content creator. It's what I do for a living, but I really, and I bring this up because Capricorn is our, 
It is our like long-term goals. It is our long-term wealth. It is the, it is what we want for the bigger picture of our life and what kind of goals we want to work towards. And this is such a weird anxiety that comes up for me almost daily. And it is this, like, I feel like I haven't worked enough anxiety that crops up. Even if it's been a day that I've worked a ton, I get this anxiety of like never being able to rest appropriately. And I get anxious because I feel like I haven't done enough. And I get anxious if I feel like I wasn't organized enough. I get anxious if I feel like I haven't made quote unquote enough money. I get anxious like, and it's all these fears that have been instilled in me from watching my parents. And I know that, like, I have no problem saying this. I would say it to their faces too. And I have like, I get this from watching my parents. My dad is an entrepreneur. He is one of the most hardworking people I've ever met. And I feel like my parents' relationship with money is one of the, honestly, one of the worst things I've ever witnessed. It just, it ruins people's lives, truly. And it's not the money that ruins people's lives. It's how people choose to, what they choose to do with it and how they choose to interact with it. I want to make that very clear. Just make that point right here. If you're somebody that's dealt with a lot of financial trauma in your life, whether it was witnessing it or actually experiencing it, it's not the money that made the problem. Money is just a tool. The same way that if somebody murdered somebody with a knife or used a knife to cook an elaborate meal, you're not going to say, oh, thank you knife for that meal. Or, oh, that knife really did fuck that person up. Like, no, you're going to say, oh, it was the person and how they use the tool. So just keep that in mind when it comes to financial stuff, especially in Capricorn season, because I do feel like our long-term monetary goals really come to the surface at this time. And if you don't feel like you're meeting them, it can cause a lot of anxiety. And that's kind of where a lot of my insecurity this month has come from. And I have had some fucking whack shit come out of this month on top of that. Like I had somebody steal credit card information from me, rack up a bunch of charges. I'm still waiting for money back that I needed to pay my rent with. And like, there's just, it has not been a fun time in my house right now financially. And it's caused a lot of anxiety. And I think instead of looking at this, like this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Why me boo hoo? Why is there this continuous pattern of housing always being so hard for me, even when it's not my fault? Instead, I'm asking myself in the universe, what is this pattern here to teach me? What is this anxiety about these situations here to teach me? And how can I change my situation for the long term in order to not feel this way? And this is like the first, this is profound. Some of y'all maybe have already been doing this in your lives, but for me on this topic in particular, this is some profound shit. I have never looked at this experience in this kind of way because I've talked about housing with y'all before, how like I've had problems at almost every single place I've ever lived, except for my parents' house because I didn't pay those bills. But at every single location I've ever lived, there has been a problem with housing at one time or another. And I don't know if that's on a south node in Cancer. I don't know if that's on a Chiron in Cancer. But there is just this pattern that continues in my life. And this is the first time that I feel like I'm actually doing the work 
that like the emotional work, the energetic work to release the pattern. And I'm not blaming myself. I'm not trying to make myself work harder because I could have, when that happened, I could have booked out 60 private readings and I could have paid for rent and then some like it would have been fine. But the thing is, I don't want to work that hard. I'm still working through a queue that I booked in November. I am almost done with it though, which is really great. I don't want to work that hard. That is an outdated way of thinking about things that you have to work really hard to make money. And that's always what I've done. Whenever there has been a situation in my life where finances have been uncertain, I've never asked for help. I just, it is so rare, actually. I think I've accepted help like, two other times besides this time. And there have been a lot more problems than that. And every time I am always the solution finder. I am always the person that says, okay, I'm going to work twice as hard. I'm going to do these many hours. I'm going to make these products. It makes me a worse content creator. I'm not in it for the right reasons. It strips me of all of the joy that I could possibly be trying to have in my life. And it makes me a hyper productive, like, hyper-productive, hyper-independent, and just like not a fun person to be around. And so this time when this pattern resurfaced, because that's what, that's what anxiety does is it shows us and it highlights to us where there is a pattern and we can always choose to pause and reflect on what is this pattern here to show me right now? And so I've been really just sitting with that. What is this pattern here to show me right now? And why does it keep continuing in my life? And if you're not sure, like, let's say you've gone through multiple, multiple, multiple friendship breakups or multiple romantic breakups, or maybe you go through also cycles of high finance and then financial loss in a major way, or maybe you have housing issues, or maybe you, I can't think of anything, right? Like my mind is drawing blanks, but my point is, if there's a pattern that constantly resurfaces in your life, first and foremost, I need you to do something for me and for yourself. You need to stop creating a story around the pattern. Stop telling yourself, oh, this always happens to me. Ah, oh, this happened because I'm this kind of person, because I'm lazy, because I don't make enough, because I'm not brilliant enough, because I'm not cool enough. I'm not fashionable enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not... Um, a good enough parent. I'm not, you know, we could come up with a thousand reasons why a pattern continuously comes up. Stop coming up with stories about it because more often than not, they're stories that somebody else tried to put on you anyways. They're not even stories that you came up with yourself. It's something that somebody else said to you about your situation that you've continued to carry. And ask the universe instead. If you're not sure, I mean, ask God if that's your thing, the universe, you know, use interchangeably whatever works for you. I prefer the term universe, but whatever that is for you. Ask to be shown why this pattern keeps resurfacing. What is this pattern here to show me and how can I learn something from it so that I can move on? Because honestly, this pattern fucking sucks and I deserve better. That's kind of the place you really have to come to. And if there's anxiety that keeps coming up around the pattern, recognize that the anxiety is there to teach you. It is there to show you, hey, this shit sucks. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it. And if you start to actually 
basically unclog why something is coming up the way that it is, like unclog what is blocking you from moving on, I promise you the anxiety will dissipate. And yes, it takes mental strength. Yes, it takes reprogramming the way that you think about something. Yes, it is hard work to sit with those feelings, especially if you're somebody that doesn't let yourself cry or let yourself have feelings. It takes time and dedicated effort to let yourself process and have it. And it won't be easy in the beginning, but if you really want to overcome this and move on with your life, that's where it has to start is asking, why does this keep coming up? What is this trying to show me? And this is coming from someone that I dealt with social anxiety for most of my life. And then at the turn of 2021, when I had that really crazy mental health experience, um, I started having panic attacks and then it, it turned into generalized anxiety and I still deal with the generalized anxiety. I don't really deal with panic attacks at all anymore. Like that just doesn't happen. I, have really worked to overcome that in a multitude of ways that I've talked about multiple times, but I've really been working with my nervous system to figure out why certain patterns cause me anxiety and how I can work through them so that I can live a more peaceful life because I deserve peace. Everybody deserves peace. I don't deserve to be hypervigilant 24 seven concerned about everybody else's problems or that all of a sudden my house is going to be ripped out from under me or all of a sudden my money in my bank just isn't going to be there, right? I don't deserve that. I deserve peace. I deserve neutrality with life and being able to, because you know what else? When you are consistently anxious, it robs you of so much. It robs you of your actual essence. It robs you of the person that you need to be so that other people can like basically receive from your greatness. It robs you of friendships. It robs you of opportunities. It robs you of actual peace. It robs you of your leisure time. It like, there is not one good thing I can think of that anxiety is good for. And even if it's a long road to healing, you deserve to live a life where anxiety is not your baseline. And I'm saying these things to you mainly because I wish somebody had said these things to me. I wish that at the height of dealing with the panic attacks, the generalized anxiety, I wish somebody had looked at me and said that I deserve neutrality. I deserve peace. And that getting to the root of why this is coming up is one of the most important things I will do in my lifetime because it's robbing me of my essence and of my life. And anyways, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to call this episode. I just wanted to share basically all the familial healing and also talk about like that, that point of anxiety, that point of worry, that point of fear. And if I could add something else to this, just before we like sign off, it's going in, going in to where the fear lives that you're actually able to come out. 
And I know it seems like the scariest thing you'll ever do because it is going in to the belly of the beast, where the fear lives into the dark cave, going in there is how you'll actually meet the fear. It's how you'll actually meet the anxiety. It's how you will start to have a relationship with it and understand so that you can move forward because the world deserves you at your best and your best obviously looks different from everybody else's best. This isn't about like shaming you into being a better person. This is literally you deserve whatever you want out of life and working on this piece of your life. Literally you depend on this. The people around you depend on this and you're worthy of receiving it. You're worthy of healing. You're worthy of doing the work And it's not as ominous or as hard, I think, as people make it sound. I'm not saying that it doesn't take like hard work to sit in an uncomfortable feeling when you really want to run, because that does take consistent effort and it is difficult. But I feel like sometimes when people talk about this shit, it seems like way more mystical than it is and way more untouchable when if you're able to sit with an uncomfortable feeling and talk to it and like be with yourself in that discomfort, you're already doing it. That is the work. That is the work that everybody's talking about. But you also have to feel safe enough in your body to get there. So like, maybe that's where you have to start is how can you create more safety in the body so that you can allow yourself to sit with that discomfort, right? There are kind of layers to this stuff. I feel like that's like a whole other episode and I'm sure everybody's going to ask me for it, (laughs) but like doing the layers of work that it takes to get to the root of a problem. But that's really what I wanted to talk about this week is the anxiety, the forgiveness, the familial wounds that probably everybody is feeling. And like I said, if you have like a picturesque, perfect family life, which I highly doubt it, but if you do and you all, y'all are on excellent terms and it feels correct, maybe that chunk of the episode was not for you, but I hope you got something out of this. And I'm really trying this year to get back to the place of making episodes that I wish I had had making content that I wish I had had. And I believe in the work that I do here. I believe in, I, and I believe in you. Like I believe in what we have. I believe in this community. And I just want to tell you if nobody has told you this year yet or today, and I genuinely say this with feeling, this is not some like cheesy ass shit. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I hope you felt that because I'm sending it. Anyways, hope y'all didn't cry today too. But if you did just know it's okay. It's how your body releases cortisol and you deserve that healing and that relief. I'm going to get out of your hair. Um, and we'll talk next Monday. All right. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Please do not forget when you stand in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye.